Leanne Hart is a mighty servant to God who wears many hats. Be sure to share this podcast, like it, and review it. Also follow Leanne Hart on all her social media platforms. Hey everybody, this is Leanne Hart with Leanne Hart Ministries and I am about to break some honesty down for you in Jesus' name. So, this is actually the third attempt of me making this podcast today. It's just going to be me, you, and Jesus just sitting around here in a little circle. We're just kind of kumbaya in my bathroom and I've got to tell you, I've kind of beat myself up over this and been burdened literally because over the last couple of days, I've literally found myself waking up in the middle of the night, pouring into scripture, allowing scripture to be poured into me, like pouring myself out over the word of God saying, Lord, what do you, what in the world are you trying to have me say here? Where, where are we going? And, and literally just kind of whooping me with this message because as a, Someone who loves the Lord, someone who, you know, just loves to give the word and the good news, which is the gospel. The I just want people to get Jesus. Like, I truly believe that the antidote for this world is in one name, and, and his name is Jesus. I truly believe that Jesus Christ died for our, my sins, that he went down to the grave and that he rose up after three days so that I could have life. And I could live it to the fullest. And he's given me boundary lines that have fallen in pleasant places. And I think the problem with myself that I've kind of been told from time to time is I can talk a little too churchy. So I can tell you that I'm going to try to refrain from that because I want to speak in a language that you guys can understand. Now, I will promise you I do not have the big, big words. I'm not a big worded person. We, you know, live on a ranch and we raise buck and bulls for a living, so I like to try to talk in a vocabulary that I can understand, a terminology that maybe you guys can grab a hold of, but to give you a way to look at it that is kind of well-rounded. I might live on a ranch, but I'm not uh, shut off from what's going on around the world. I, I realize that there's real pandemics that are taking place. There's a pandemic that's taking place. There's Black Lives Matters. There's We're dealing with riots and racism, and there's questions of um, left side, right side, political this, political that, abortion, homosexuality, all of these different things. And me, I've been getting a lot of questions of people asking me to address some of the things that are going on in the world. And I've got a ton of notes laid out here, and I'm going to be honest, I doubt I even get to touch the surface of these notes. This may be an ongoing podcast over the next couple of months. I don't know. But a lot of people are looking to me, and they're like, how do you deal with what's going on in the world right now? I've asked kids, because I was at Rodeo Bible Camp in Berryville, Arkansas, with from the Arena to the Cross Ministries last week, I asked them to write me some questions, and they really got me digging, digging deep. And I truly believe that for the world right now, for those that claim and call themselves Christians, that's really what we need to be doing is digging deep into our Christianity, digging deeper into our faith, and seeing what Jesus would have done in the middle of all this madness and craziness that's going on in the world today. And... As I've looked at these questions, I've started to ask myself some questions. And I challenge you to ask yourself some questions. Because we do live in a world that is going crazy with chaos. 
that is so divided, that is so full of anger and bitterness and hate right now. And honestly, love, the level of love is like a mustard seed because we're not standing up as Christians. And I'm going to call you out because I truly believe that if we were doing what God had called us to do, we wouldn't be sitting down as cowards when we are called to stand up courageous in Christ and pour out what God has done to us, done for us and through us, through his son, Jesus Christ. So as I look at everything that's going on, I could be very topical about this. I could tell you about my heart. I could tell you about my experiences. I could tell you about my struggles as a mother. I could tell you about all of these things. But what I really want you to know more than anything is that I've asked myself very, very, very personal questions. Have I failed to live up to who Jesus is teaching me to be? Am I causing people to fall or give people in the world a negative perception of what the church might be? You know, like, am I doing those things? And if you are not a Christian and you're listening to these things, you got to ask yourself some questions too. Does, does my failure as a Christian undermine the claim that Jesus Christ is truly God? Have I represented negatively what a Christian should be? Because I have personally been hurt by Christians in the church. And I've had to say, you know what? That's people. That's not God. But am I really evaluating Christianity today? And who is the God that I serve? I I serve a God of love. Like you hear that all over the world. Well, I serve a God of love. But there are some things that God does not love. And the scripture tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So for God so loved the world that he gave his son for the world. So in other words, the things in the world, the things of the world, the things that separate us from God, Jesus came down here. He left his throne. He took off his clothes of righteousness and put on rags for me and you. And he took on our sin. And if you want to know what sin is, a lot of people say, well, do you believe certain things are sin? And I got to tell you, if you go to Romans 1, it's going to tell you a lot of things that are sin. And it gets really deep. Check it out. But we live in a time, we live in a culture that has created a lot of their own freedoms. And this didn't just start like generationally like now. No, it started in the very beginning. In Genesis 2, it says, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now I have been very guilty of eating a lot of things that the good Lord, I know, go against God, go against my faith, go against the word of God. I've gone against God. I've gone against the grain. Every one of us have, okay? There were two trees in the beginning, but it says here, you are free in the very beginning of that scripture. In other words, I want you guys to hear that God divinely ordained freedom. Freedom was not ordained or created by humans, but that doesn't mean that culture hasn't created its own idea of freedom. See, there's Christ's freedoms and then there's culture's idea of freedom. Culture's idea of freedom is to create their own identity. They want to create their own rules. They want to create the bad. They want to define what is good and what is bad. And that is not biblically based when it comes to culture. 
Line it up with the word of God. Okay, check it out. Christ, though, he is this freedom that he gives us that we have got this ability now to enjoy whatever God provides. It lines up with the word of God. He gives us healthy limits. Culture gives us limits, but they're not always healthy. And we can't, if we don't have what we need to help us with those limits, we're going to cross over. And there are going to be consequences because of the crossing over and abuse of freedom. Adam and Eve You know, they chose to do something in the garden. Eve, she chose to take something, to eat something, and then she gave that thing away. She take it, she ate it, and she gave it, okay? She took this offering, and Jesus made her wrong right by becoming the offering. He became the offering. He took our sin. He took my sin. He took your sin. He took our bad stuff. He took it on himself. He took it down to the grave. He was there buried for three days. He rose again. He defeated sin. He slayed anything that causes division between us and our heavenly father. He made a way. He is the way. Jesus is the way. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. But see, in the very beginning, Eve made a choice. And when she made that choice, it was like, just because she realized she was made in God's image, did she want to become like God? Did she want to be God? She was given this choice and she chose. And because of that, major things started happening. Your identity changes when you give your life to Christ. When you abuse freedom, there are going to be consequences. And when we ignore God's boundaries, that can make us feel very powerful from time to time. But it's always going to end very, very, very bad. God has given us certain freedoms for a purpose. But we live in a world where we've got all of these things, all these crazy things really that are going on right now. And we're dealing with riots. We're dealing with sickness. We're dealing with all the things that we're dealing with. We're wanting to say that um, we should all be free to choose whether we want to give life or take life. Like, no, like that's not what God said. Like I've got friends that have personally um, had abortions and they've come to realize that that wasn't a right choice, but they've gotten right with God and they felt that freedom, but they still have a fear of judgment from other people, even though they're right with God because people act out in the wrong kind of way. And listen, Jesus Christ says, there's no condemnation in me. So if you've already been made right, it's important that we tell our testimony like God has freed you up. Abortion, it interrupts the miracle of life. And nobody, if we really realize that, if we went back to our roots of really what that looks like, nobody wants to be part of doing that. But if you have, there's a way to experience a lasting peace. And his name is Jesus. He loves you. He wants you to repent of that and to turn from it and to turn to him. But we have to recognize the authority. We have to recognize that he is God and we are not. I was told several years ago, not to say amen from the stage, that the churches, you know, we didn't really want to sound too churchy. And I remember thinking, but I've like been raised on amen. I've been raised with that declaration. I've been raised that way. And it really kind of offended me in a way. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm still going to say this because like, I I believe it. I'm going to declare it. 
and I'm going to stand on it. I want to be intentionally resolved in my belief. And I want you guys to become intentionally resolved on what lines up with the word of God. Don't line anything up with Leanne. Get into the word of God. A lot of times the people, a lot of people don't want to get into the word of God. Why? Because the word of God challenges us to be different. We are not of this world to turn from the old ways, to turn to something new, to, you know, do something greater, to be a difference maker, to seek more, to to always believe that there can be more as a Christian, that you can do more. You can forgive where you didn't think you could forgive. You can love when you didn't think you could love. You could get through anger and doubt and unbelief and disappointment and anxiety and worry and stress and all that with God because with God, all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But if you are not exercising those that that power, presence, and promise of God through the, the word of God, if you're not exercising it, if you're not being a doer, then you're, you're just not doing, you're not going to experience it. So this is kind of where I've landed on so much of this. And my mind is going wild right now because I'm like, Lord, just bring me back in. I've got a lot of scripture. I've got a lot of notes and I'm way off the beaten path with this. But I can tell you, I was raised in South Louisiana and I called a girlfriend of mine that I was raised with today. She's a mom of five, a grandma of one, and her name is Javanya. We went to school together and she's a black girl, black lady, black mama, black grandma. And when I called her, I just asked her, I said, I got to hear your heart on this. I hadn't talked to her in a while, but I just want to go to the source. Like, I feel like we just avoid going and asking questions. And I, I said, I got to hear your heart on this, on what's going on with this Black Lives Matters and racism and the rioting, all that. She said, girl, I didn't realize how bad it was. She said, we grew up in a culture of all lives matter. I understand because she's a black mama. She's a black grandma. She's got black kids that she realizes that black lives, right? Now, what they're saying is black lives do matter. I'm standing on and affirming that. Black lives do matter. I've had people say, Liam, why didn't you put a black block up on your play page if you believe black lives matters? And this is what it is. I didn't want to give a false representation that I was going to put a belief in blacklivesmatter.com in, that, in, in this political thing. Because black lives do matter. All lives do matter. Right now, people need to understand the things that black lives have went through. You need to check out the history. You need to see the rivers that we've crossed as a people and, and, and the struggles that were really real. But we don't need to go back to that. We need to see how far we've come because I don't believe that Martin Luther King would like to see where we are today. He gave up so much. He went through so much. Not to just be where we are today, barely moving forward. I love this, that when Martin Luther King Jr. confronted racism in the white church in the South, he did not call on Southern churches to become more secular, more worldly. Let's just say that. Read his sermons and letter from a Birmingham jail and see how he argued. He invoked God's moral law in the scripture. He called white Christians to be more true to their own beliefs and to believe and to realize what the Bible really teaches. He did not say truth is relative and everyone is free to determine what is right or wrong for them. If everything is relative, there would have been no incentive for white people in the South to give up their power. Rather, Dr. King invoked the prophet Amos who said, let justice roll down like waters in righteousness as a mighty stream. In other words, the antidote to racism was not being less of a Christian, but digging deeper 
and becoming a truer Christian. Get the mind of Christ. Lose the falsehoods. Lose what's dividing you and this other person or this other color. Like she, like Giovanni said, I, our school was 50-50. We didn't even see color. But it is different today. And she's having to explain things to her nine-year-old that she never thought that she would have to explain. When it comes to the world in general, we suffer. We all suffer. And there's a reason that we suffer and, and we can still say, you know what, with Christ, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. I don't understand why this is happening right now, but there's a reason that you can hope. And his name is Jesus. We live in a world that says, if it feels good, do it. That's what, that's what culture says. Because culture has created its own freedoms for identity, rules, what's bad and what's good. And culture has a completely definition for sex. Culture will tell you that, you know, <laughs> sex that God's that sex that God created is not a good thing. That God's view is really kind of going to bring harm to who you are as a people because there should be more freedom in that. But God creates boundaries for a reason, and you have to ask yourself in the middle of those boundaries, what is so bad about God's plan? I mean, if we abided by God's biblical plan plan for sex, if we abided in his in his biblical plan, I'm going to just kind of throw this out here. Would engaging in sexual activity between a man and a woman in that marriage covenant, that lifelong relationship, um, be honored? Does he want us to engage? Does it ever say man or man, woman and woman? That's just a question. If that's in the word of God and someone can share that with me, I would appreciate that. With following God's biblical plan, would there be more or less suffering? Would there be more or less marriages and broken homes? Would there be more or less fatherless homes? Or would daddies be more involved with God's biblical plan and order? Would there be more or less STDs or teen pregnancies or abortions? Would that be more or would that be less? What is so bad about God's plan for these things? What is so bad about that? Because when we enter into something and we step outside the covering of God's covenant, we step outside the covering that God, of the boundary lines that God has laid before us that fall in pleasant places, we wonder why we have all these emotional problems. Why there is such an unhealthy development that occurs. Why would God give us boundaries to protect and provide for us? Because he loves you. Because he loves you so much. Disobedience just makes a mess. But with God, every mess can produce a message. If you keep the faith. The smallest of sins separate us. I know that there's a lot of big questions about a lot of big things right now. But there's nothing too big for God. Like, God didn't send Jesus Christ down here to kill people that practice witchcraft. He sent, he, he sent his son down here to serve and to slay sin, right? To serve people and get rid of the sin of the world. 
So in other words, if it comes to something like that, let's just line a few things out. Let's look at racism, abortion, homosexuality, let's say rich witchcraft. Let's just do those top four that it's not, those are not necessarily easy topics to talk about. A lot of people say, well, I'm not sure if that's really sin. Just go read in the word of God for yourself. Look at it. I challenge you to look and see what God has to say about these things, okay? Don't beat up the messenger. Just check it out. If God sent his son for the entire world, then God, could God still love the heart that is practicing in the witchcraft? What is it that they really need to get rid of? Does God want that person to die or does he want the craft to go away? The craft to be released, the craft to be rejected. Or with racism, does God want to kill the racist or the act of it, the racism, the division? Because God created unity. We're supposed to learn how to maintain it through Christ, through Christ. So if God, you know, did God send his son down here to get rid of abortion or the actual abortionist? Or homosexuality versus the person practicing it. Because I, fir- I firmly believe that, like, God sent his son for the world. I've got a lot of people in my life that are, you know, have struggled with choosing their sin over their Savior. It's not easy. I mean, trials are part of God's plans. Trials put power literally on a platform. Trials prepare us for the go time. Like, you, it takes effort. You have to practice it, not just when it counts, but all the time so that that practice of, you know, that the platform that God has given you, the practice of the purpose that he's laid out for your life, that it can be a natural thing all the time because you're practicing it everywhere. Trials set us apart from the boys to the men. It's time for Christians to stand up and stop being cowards. Stand up for what we believe in. Stand up for life. Stand up for life. We don't have to be in alignment with every lifestyle. If it's not lining up with the word of God, then love the life, but don't love the lifestyle. I mean, feed the life. Feed the heart that is beating with the truth. They may not be able to contain it, but they can't deny it. At least you're being real. At least you're not hiding behind a mask of of what you do or don't believe. You're actually giving them truth. Trials don't cause sin. It reveals what's on the inside that needs to get out. Trials reveal weakness. Trials are one of God's greatest tools to grow us and grow us into greater God's plan is absolutely for you to succeed. Satan plan, Satan's plan, he wants you to fail. He wants you to focus on your failures. He wants you to feel like a failure. If you're feeling any of those things, that is not God. If there's something in you that needs to get out of you that you need to reject, that you need to repent of, get it out in Jesus' name. That's the good news. Jesus came down here for you to serve you so that you could get your sin out. He's He's left us a helpmate. If you need help with that, go to Romans 8. Find out what it looks like to team up with the Holy Spirit, to partner up so that you can push out the pain in your life. It might take time. Every single day, we have to choose Jesus. Every single day, we have to choose to lay down our old life. Every single day, knowledge is absolutely not enough. You cannot do this on your own strength. Or you know what? All it's going to do is produce a struggle So I just want to encourage you with where you are, with what you're walking through, 
with what you're going through, that it is real. Everything that we're dealing with is real. But if you just have faith in faith, then it's not going to go anywhere. Then you're going to be like walking on a treadmill. But if you put your faith in God, if you put your faith in the one that created life and you pour into life and you can distinguish the difference between a, between love and life and, and not. Okay, I got a phone call. So I'm going to close out before I lose you guys again. Yesterday, I was feeding bulls, and for those of you that don't know, or this is your first time to listen to this podcast, we raise bucking bulls for a living. We travel along the trail with the professional bull riders, the PBR, and so that's what we do, and we do not have our cows and our calves here. We have our mamas um, at another place, another property, but we have three cows that got to stay here for different reasons, and this one particular cow that was in this pasture with 13 of our bulls was being chased. And all I felt was compassion for this cow in this moment. Not because she's a nice cow. Not because she wanted my help. Not because of any other reason other than I don't like to see people hurt. I don't like to see cows hurt either. And so therefore, in the middle of this moment, I thought, you know what? I remember when that cow tried to hook my horse, when that cow tried to toss me over the fence, when that cow tried to run me up the alley and you know, came after me and she was so aggressive and all of these things. Am I speaking to some, someone in life like you've had this experience, experience with a person? Come on, I know that I am. And so this particular cow was, you know, not the cow that you would want to help because why? Because she doesn't really want to help anybody else and she's a little selfish. And I could choose to be selfish in that moment. I could choose to allow the way that I feel override my faith and obedience and what God is telling me to do. But I could tell you that yesterday I felt nothing but for compassion for this cow. So I had to ask myself, as I've asked myself many times in many situations, do I have more love in my heart for this cow more than hate? That's what the world needs to ask themselves right now. That mustard seed of faith, do you have more love in you than you have hate in you? Do you? Because this cow was really kind of running for her life. Like she was, her life was kind of threatened in this moment. Why? Because there was a lot of big bulls out there. One, just one. And it was a lot of things coming at her that maybe she couldn't handle all at one time. Maybe this is speaking to somebody, but all I saw was compassion. All I saw was you better get there. You better go to her and you better help her. Jesus went through so much for us. He saw us suffering. It speaks so many times in the word of God where we are reminded that he has seen us. He has come He's seen our oppression. He wants to rescue us. And that's what he did. So when we claim to be a people that just are still in need of being delivered, the deliverer has already delivered us if we want to accept and believe in him. And that is Jesus. He's the fix. He's the antidote. So is your love for the cow bigger than your hate? I'm going to leave that with you guys. You take it for whatever you need it for. Take it for whatever it's worth. I'm not a big-worded person. You all know that very well. This is a small-minded, small uh, vocabulary-worded girl, whatever, from South Louisiana that lives on a ranch, and this is what I do, and this is just me talking. But I I truly believe that uh, the closer that we do get to God, the more we realize just how much we need a Savior. And there's a lot of people in the world that are really acting out and acting against what God would desire. And they're calling themselves Christians. 
and they're not in the word of God. And if they are, they are not, they are seeking it, but they're not receiving it. If that's you, if you've been like me, I pray today that you not only seek it, but you would receive it. Is your love bigger than your hate? Stand on the truth. There are a lot of things that God loves. He loves the whole world. But there are things in the world that are of the world that are not ever going to make it to heaven. What do we choose today? Our sin or our Savior? Love you guys. In Jesus' name.